So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can either click to, turn to. Uh, last weekend, if you're with us, I started a brand new series called Through the Spirit. And so I'm, I'm going to read those here in a few moments. And then, and then we're, we're, we're going to spend a couple of weeks. This is the last week we're going to spend on, on love because it's such a big topic. And then next week we'll, we'll continue walking through. So, so let me read the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so the, the Scripture teaches us is that, that this is one of the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Uh, sometimes it's not all the sensational, emotional things that people claim. But really and truly, when you look at Scripture, you find that, that you can tell if someone's walking in the Spirit, uh, full of the Spirit, all of those other things, when these things are evident in their life. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to read these again, and I cautioned you last week, right, that these aren't a litmus test. In other words, these aren't a litmus test that we put up against someone else to see where they're falling short and where they're struggling and kind of calling that out in their life. Uh, that's, that's, that's not what these are for. Uh, if you're like me, there's some of them that I think I do pretty well at, and there's some of them that, you know what, I know that I, I, I need to work on. And so you, you may be the same way because this is a spiritual journey. It's a spiritual walk. And so, so here are the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, but he's, but so verse 22, uh, Galatians chapter 5, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so I told you last week that I believe there's only one fruit, love. And then love, it demonstrates or the attributes, this is how it lives out. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things. There is no law. In other words, there's not a law against joy. There's not a law, law against love. There's not a law, law against peace. There's not a law against gentleness. There's not, so you, you kind of get it, right? And so this is, what, this is what Paul is saying. And so today I just want to continue uh, talking one more time in, in, in Romans chapter 9 verses, or verse, chapter 12 verse 9 through 21 is where we're going to get our definition for love. And I'm going to give you a lot of principles tonight and some things to fill in. Um, and I want to talk talk to you about this issue of love. Uh, because one of the things about the, the fruit of the Spirit is this, is it has the ability to transform not only your personality, but transform your relationships. Now listen, I, I'm so excited. I'm going to tell you one of my all-time favorite stories. Um, my records indicate, because I try to keep track of this, because, you know, I don't want to turn into like granddad to where you guys say he just sells, tells the same jokes, the same stories like every weekend, and we just kind of laugh because we're, we're loving people and we're courteous, that kind of stuff. So, so listen, if you've heard this story, I mean, you're a real veteran because this goes back either the late 90s, the early 2000s, somewhere in there. But my all-time favorite story is about this nurse and about this guy. And so this, this man goes to, like, the doctor's office, and, and he greets, and the nurse greets him, and she says, what's wrong? Why do you need to see the doctor? He says, I, I got a place on my chin that I need the doctor to look at. She says, fine, and she's real gruff. I mean, she was kind of, like, unloving, kind of demanding. And so she says, you know, down the hall, third door on your right, take off all of your clothes, and get into this medical gown. And he goes... Ma'am, I, I think this is a little extreme. I mean, it's just a place. I told you, down the hall, third door on the left, take off all your clothes, slip into this gown. Ma'am, don't you think we're jumping to conclusions? All I want, all I need the doctor, I'm not telling you again, down the hall, third door on the left, take off all of your clothes except for this medical gown and, and put this medical gown on. And so he says, fine. And so he went down the hallway. He opened up the door, and there sat a man in a medical gown sitting on the table. And it was kind of awkward, right? And so to break the awkwardness, he says, man, don't you think that nurse could use a, a transformation in her personality? I mean, don't you think she was unloving? He goes, tell me about it. I'm the UPS driver. <laughs> you know, we all meet people like that, right? 
We can all meet people that we say, you know what? You know what you need? You need a transformation in your personality. I mean, you need something. Something needs to be infused in your life, infused in your personality. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is writing. And the Apostle Paul is coming to the place to where he's saying, you know what? With the fruit of the Spirit, it can not only transform your personality, it can transform your relationships. And so, so it's some, of the, some of the statements in here that Paul makes, it's just, just, just do these things or just be these things. And, and sometimes it just seems so easy. But when you look at this, you realize that it's only through God's grace and God's love and God's empowerment that we're able to do these things. In other words, that, 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 that there's a such thing as beliefs, but beliefs have to be turned into action or our beliefs have to be turned into a change of character. And so, Paul, when, when we talked about this last week, he used a, a unique word for the word love. He put two Greek words for love together, a family love and a brotherly love together. In other words, he was trying to help us understand. He created, it. in other words, in the Greek, a compound word. And he's talking about brotherly love and family love, and he's trying to say in the body of Christ. You know, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, so we have this brotherly love, but we also have this family love. In other words, we're a community of believers together. We're in this together. We have this relationship. We have this family. We have this community of faith. And so let me read. Uh, I'm telling you, this is some tough stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. It's easier to have beliefs than behavior in this area. I mean, it, it, I mean, some of these things are difficult to put into place. And so here's what the Paul, Apostle Paul says, starting in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to read all the way through verse 21. Let love be genuine. Remember, we looked at this last week. Some of these, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant. Man, be constant in prayer. And understand that prayer changes things, and prayer can change situations. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, in the sight of everybody, in the sight of everybody that's like looking in and seeing in the situation. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, in other words, to the contrary of your natural instincts, to the contrary of what the world says. If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then Jesus would phrase it this way in John chapter 13, verse 34. And Jesus would say these things. A new commandment that I give to you, that you love, you love one another. And just as I love you, you also are to love one another. And by this, in other words, by our love and like this list that the Apostle Paul wrote. And, and by, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. In other words, the way that the world knows that we're Christians, we're believers, is the way in which we love them. 
in way in which we love one another. Right now, I don't know if you're a Twitter person or not, if you understand Twitter or social media and some of those other things, but right now what is trending on Twitter, and it's been trending all day, and it's setting some records, it's hashtag face Christianity. And all of a sudden what's happening is on Twitter is they are posting, people are posting about fake Christianity, how, how Christians are acting unloving and how Christians are judging. And that's why, Paul, that's why Jesus says, guess what, the way the world's going to know the way Twitter is going to know, the way social media is going to know, the way the people that you work with and you're in the community with is the way in which we love one another, the way in which we respect one another, the way in which we accept one another. And so, so there's a few things I want to give you tonight. There's a good amount, and I know it's a long outline, but this is just so important for us to grab. And, and no worries, you'll get out of here, you know, in, in time for bed. Like, my bedtime's 11, so we'll see. So the first one is this, and if you're, if you're going to understand how to love, he says one of those just be statements, just be generous. I mean, in other words, just be generous financially and with your love. I mean, you, listen, I, I've said this a lot. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I mean, it is possible that you can, you, you can give, and you can give to someone without loving them. You can, live, uh, you can give to manipulate them. You can give to control them. Uh, you can give so that they'll do something for you. It is possible to give without loving. But you know what the scripture says? It is not possible to love without giving. I mean, when you look at this, it's, it's just, just generosity. It's all through scripture. And here's what he says in verse 13. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. And in this context, he's talking about giving to the local church. He's talking about this issue of giving of your resources because what happens is we're a family and we minister to one another and people that, who are in need find, get help and, and are ministered to. I mean, your giving is not only an act of obedience, but it's also meeting the needs of what he says of the saints and people around. I mean, by your giving, you're, you're helping to send a group of people to Africa to where, I mean, in one of the most desolate um, Areas, Mimbezi, Africa, to where there hasn't been any Christian ministry working in that area. Uh, we're, the, we're one of the first ones in. Fact is, we were some of the first white people that they ever seen and like freaked the whole village out. And I could go into why. But I mean, they, they like all ran. It took like two days before they would even approach our team. And over there, we've built a church, we put in a water well, we put in a garden, we've given them chickens and, and, and helped them to, to, to earn a living and some of those other things. Amazing. And, and that's, through, that's through your giving. This last week, we had over 250 kids in VBS with a number of those kids that, that accepted Christ. That, that came as a result of, of, of your giving. Uh, Monday, we have 75 students headed out to student camp. And so a lot of that came because, because of your giving. And then... then, then I, and then this whole thing that's going on with the Pueblo County Jail is like, it, it is like blowing all of us away. What God is doing, and even some of the deputies and some of the people that are witnessing what is going on, it is, it is blowing everybody away. The number of, of people or of inmates that are responding to prayer. In fact, is, in fact is this last week we had our first inmate except Christ. Uh, it, I, mean, to, I mean, they're watching a TV screen. We had this individual that uh, began to fidget, stood up, stood down, and Darren, one of the prayer partners, noticed him. And then this individual came down for prayer, and, 
and um, said some things to Darren. I, I don't want to break any confidence and said some things. Darren just looked at him and said, well, you know what you need? You need Jesus. And he goes, I know I need Jesus. You know what? I attended Fellowship of the Rockies in 2017, but I don't know that I had a relationship, and I fell on, you know, made some poor choices, and and Darren actually led this inmate to the Lord, and we're, we're, we're working to get approval now so that we can go in one-on-one and start discipling and some of the, because it doesn't end there. I mean, now we, now we have a relationship, right? And so it doesn't, it doesn't end there. And one of the most interesting things that this inmate asked Darren was this, is what Darren was leaving. He says, hey, listen, I, I was at Fellowship of the Rockies in 2017. I've made some poor choices and ended up here. He says, uh, when, when, when I get out, do you think I'm going to be welcomed back in that body of believers? We're like, you better believe you are. And we'll, we'll try, we will work to create a community that you can go in with some people that have walked through some situations that you have so that you guys can encourage one another and hold each other accountable. See, this, this, this is what Scripture is talking about. This is, this, this is why we're generous. This is why we give. Because we have a world that does not know Christ. We, and, and, and some of them are our neighbors, Right? And this, this, is, this is why we give. This is why we do what we do. I mean, when you, when you look at this, Paul not only said, he not only said in, in, in verse 12, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints, and these are connected, and seek to show hospitality. I mean, this, I, I personally believe, and, and, and you can take the other side of this, and that's, that's okay, believe me. But I believe this issue of hospitality is like a spiritual gift. I believe, I mean, there's some people like you can go to their home, and the, the food is excellent, the table is set, I mean, it's a wonderful evening, great conversation, but then you can go to someone else's house, and it's not so much about how the table sat and the surroundings and all of that other stuff, but all of a sudden, all of a sudden you felt ministered to, right? All of a sudden you felt something different went on here. I don't, but I walked away encouraged. I walked away supported. See, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about hospitality. Hospitality, how do you welcome someone into your church? How do you build a community for them so it's not so they felt welcomed, and they felt ministered to, and they, they felt uh, uh, encouraged, and all of those, those other things. I forgot the word, but, but, but oftentimes, the reason, listen, the reason that we struggle with hospitality is because we're just too busy. I'm just too busy to be hospitable. I'm too busy to have a lunch with an individual to encourage. I'm too busy to have someone over the house. I'm too busy for that ministry, and that's usually the barrier. The second thing is this, is how do we love, is Paul said, well, just be a, just be a blessing. I mean, just, just try to be a blessing. Verse 14 in Romans, he said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. In other words, he's talking about never speak evil, never speak negative of a brother or sister in Christ. And because, man, there are times, right? There, there, there are times that, that Christians, unfortunately, persecute Christians. I mean, it's one thing when someone else in the world or that's not, not a believer attacks us or says some things about us, talks about us. That's easier to take, right, than when a brother or sister in Christ does that. And sometimes that, that happens. And, and so but because th there is true what Scripture teaches us, believers can get, get hard, they can get carnal, they can get difficult, and then they, they can live out of their flesh. And, that, and, that, and they can try to make your life miserable. In fact, is the Phillips translation. I really like the way this verse was rendered. It says, bless those who try to make your life miserable. I mean, th this word bless, it's really important for us to understand in the context or how the, the, the definition was. The word bless is to speak well of. When someone criticizes you, and listen, I know this is tough sledding now. 
I mean, it took a turn, right? It, when someone criticizes you, when someone maligns you, continue to speak well of them. And, and I get it. I understand some, some people, we've got to be a little bit more creative of what we can speak well of, right? Than others. Because our natural instincts, and this is why I told you to live out the, the fruit of the Spirit, takes the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? Our natural inclination, you criticize me, I'm going to criticize you back. You attack me, I'm going to attack you. You hit me, I'll hit you harder. I'll hit you harder. Paul said, and come to that place to where you can speak well of them. I mean, it's true in life, right? I cannot control and you cannot control what someone else is going to say about you. Or I can't control what someone says about me. But I can control how I respond to them. I can control what I say to them. And, and so when someone, in other words, when someone criticizes you, then you don't go all over town bad-mouthing him or, or, or her. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says this, and you guys in the back in the screens, I'm sorry, I just added this. <laughs> um, so you won't, it won't come up. So I just want you to know they're doing their job. They're doing it great. <laughs> Proverbs 51 tell, 15.1 tells us a gentle answer turns away wrath but a harsh word. Harsh words stirs up anger. Here's an interesting thing, and just real quickly, we need to move on, because I'm telling you, this is, this is just like for free. When Proverbs, just when the writer of Proverbs, when Proverbs talks about kind words, it speaks of our, it speaks of our motives. Um, when we speak, speak gentle words, it's speaking of our tone, of our demeanor, of the way in which we say it. Listen, being gentle does not mean that you're agreeing, but it does mean that you're respectful and you're friendly. And what he says, we're, we're called. We're called to speak gently, even in angry conversation or angry confrontation, rather than, rather than answering harsh words with harsh words, because you know what that does? It just it doesn't de-escalate the situation. It escalates the, the situation. And so what the writer of Proverbs says is we have to come to that place. We learned, listen, we learn to de escalate conversations. We learn to speak gentle words, kind words, our tone, demeanor. Doesn't mean we always agree. It, it, we can still speak the truth, right? Speak the truth. How? You speak the truth in love. So here, here's a third one. Uh, he said, just be sympathetic. In other words, verse 12 rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who, those who weep. In other words, be sympathetic to each other's feelings. And listen, this is so hard. It's so hard. Because you gotta, you got to understand in relationships, you got to understand when someone's going through, do I rejoice with them or do I weep with them, right? You ever had a friend and, man, they've gotten devastating news. They're going through a difficult situation. And all of a sudden, you know, you're on the, you're on the rejoicing side and you're trying to point out all this great stuff and, and all of this other thing. That's why Proverbs says, never sing a happy song to a sad heart. Uh, there's this, this thing about coming to this place. When you are sympathetic, you are sympathizing with them. You are stepping into their situation with them. And sometimes, listen, I'm telling you, sometimes it is hard to discern. And, and we, we as a family, I mean, we're, we're learning this, right? I mean, we're learning when do we rejoice with those who rejoice and when do we weep with those who weep? Because sometimes it takes discernment. Sometimes it takes prayer. Sometimes if you and I are not careful and we don't get this, we don't understand that, we can start rejoicing with, with them too early and they're, they're still broken. 
And they're still weeping. They're still struggling over this. Yes, they may believe in the truth of God and the faith of God and, and all of those other things. But there's a point where you've got to process out your emotion. And so that's what Paul is saying. A loving person, they, they, they get it, they understand when to rejoice with someone and when to mourn or weep with someone. And so what Paul would say is, is just learn, learn to be sympathetic. Learn to be able to see those things in someone's life and relationship. Here, here's a fourth one. He says, just be accepting. I mean, just be accepting. He goes on, verse 16, and he says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And this could be a whole series, right? Just, just, this, just this verse. I mean, you talk about relation killers, relation destroyers. You will never be in, in harmony with one another. If, 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 you're, if, if you're haughty or you look down on someone or, or you're wise in your own sight, he's talking about this issue of pride. He's talking about this issue of importance of healthy relationships is this issue of, of learning to live in harmony with one another. In other words, to where you treat everybody with kindness, you treat everybody with respect uh, regardless of where they are, regardless whether they're like you or regardless if they're different from you or regardless if they come from a different background, regardless of their different ethnicity or any of those other things. You just realize that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to treat everybody with respect because we're, we're all at different places. We're all at different levels. We all come from different backgrounds. And then in the next couple of verses, Paul begins shifting. Listen, it, it's, such a, it's such a subtle shift, but we got to understand because Paul now begins dealing with everyone. He begins dealing with the world. He begins dealing with unbelievers. In other words, he's been talking to the family of God and about the family of God, how we love one another, how we minister to one another, how we treat one another. And now he begins shifting, and, and just real quickly, for like you, you Bible students that you guys like enjoy stuff like this, uh, you, you, can see the, you can see the turn, and it's subtle. In verse 17, he's using words like no one and everyone, so he's talking about, and then all of a sudden, verse 20, he moves to the enemy. He moves to those outside the body, and so all of a sudden, he, he, he's making a shift. And he's not, listen, he is not now, he is not just talking about the family of God, but he's talking about everyone. Those in the church, those outside of the church, those followers of Christ, those who aren't followers of Christ. And so, so the question is, what Paul answers is, how, how do you respond to people who have wronged you? How do you respond to people who have hurt you and devastated you? So when he uses in these passages, when he uses this word enemies, he's talking about, he's like talking about difficult people. I mean, you have, don't, don't answer this out loud, especially if you're sitting next to you, but uh, you ever have to deal with difficult people, right? Whether it's, in, whether it's in your business, whether it's in the community, whether it's in your school. Yeah, I mean, you ever, I mean, th this, this is what this passage is talking about. So, so now that we understand that, the, 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 the fifth one is this, then you just be careful. In other words, just, just be careful. So, so here's what he's saying. I'm telling you, this is tough sledding. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so just a little bit of a qualifier about this passage. It's, 
It's talking about, it's talking about personal relationships, okay? It's not talking about re national relationships. It's not talking about national policy or any stuff like that. It is talking about, it's talking about personal relationships. The people that I work with, the people that I go to school with, the people that I go to church with, the people that I see out in the community. And so he gives us some, some, some ways that we can deal with, with, with difficult people, and he gives us some qualifiers. In other words, he says, you've got to counter counteract your natural instincts. Our natural instincts is to repay evil for evil. Our natural instincts, you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. And so Paul says, now this is when the tough, tough work about this issue of love, you've got you to counteract that. Do not, in fact, as he says the opposite, do not repay anyone evil for evil. In other words, he, this is why Paul says, do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, here's an interesting thing. And I know I'm giving you, because it's such, this is so, so technical, that Paul is using a military term. In other words, the, the word overcome, do not be overcome by evil, is a, it's a military term. It means to be defeated. Um, it's a tremendously, in the Greek, it's a tremendously aggressive word. This is hard work. I mean, this isn't something you do passively, right? You've you got you to gotta counteract those natural instincts. And so he uses, a, he uses a military term. He says, do not be defeated by this. Do not be destroyed by this. In other words, if you receive malice, don't give malice back. If you receive an attack, don't attack back. If you, if, if you receive an attack, in other words, forgive. And, and otherwise, that you'll be overcome by evil. I, it's, just, it's, it's kind of a funny story for me, and I don't know if it would be for you, but... Um, I have a pastor friend, and he was running late in between services, so he ran into the men's room, right? And so he's, he's in a stall, and at that point, the service is about to start, and he's like the only one in there. But then a group of men come in, and you know what they're doing? They're talking about him. Half the men like him, and half the men don't like him. There's, and I mean, he is, he is, not to be too graphic, he is just sitting there, and, so, uh, and they don't know it's him. And so half the group is like trashing him, and the other half is like, and they're talking about sermons he's preached and decisions he's made, and some of the men don't like him, and some of the men obviously, and he's like, he's like, I felt like, I felt like a middle schooler all over again. I didn't know, do I come out of the bathroom and say, surprise, you know, or do I just stay quiet? And so he says, well, I'm going through that whole thing. He says, finally, they leave. And then all of a sudden, he says, you know what? He said, all of a sudden, I thought, you know what? I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to preach a sermon on 10 reasons why you're going to hell. That's what I'm doing. And, or, or I'm going to call them out, and, and I'm going to talk about this. And then all of a sudden, he thought of this verse. That's what this verse is talking about. Do not be overcome by evil. Do, because when you are, it's military terms, so it means defeated. And what this means is, is when you become overcome by evil, you become you become controlled by it. You become slave to it. And that's why Paul is saying to overcome evil with good is not, is not to be passive. fact is, it's just very aggressive. And so you and I, we don't get involved in backbiting. You can, you can bless people by the way you talk about them. When someone ridicules you or puts you down, or you, you can still, still speak well of them. And I, I get it. I understand some people you got to be more creative with and and, but this is the hardest work that you'll do. Verse 17, Romans chapter 12. Repay no one evil for evil, give, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If this pastor had have gotten up there in, in his natural inclination to call him out, I mean, it would not have been honorable in the sight of all. He would have been overcome. Now, listen, this, this doesn't mean that you can't have a trusted friend, that you process out of emotion, you process hurt, 
You process out some of those things. I'm, I are a counselor. A pa- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this issue of how do you, how do you treat them. And, and so Paul says, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you. Aren't you glad that phrase is there? As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I mean, that, that means, you know what? You may not be able to live peaceably with all. There's some people, you know what? It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you respond. And Paul says, hey, guess what? You, can, you cannot control them. You can control yourself. And so as far as it depends on you, just live peaceably with all. Just live all. Verse 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him some to drink. For by doing so, you will reap, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now listen, we, we kind of like that verse, right? Well, okay, I'll be nice to them and I'll give them blood vis- blisters on their head, right? I'll, I mean, I mean I, if I'm nice to them, I mean, they're going to walk around in pain. And that is not what that means. And we're going to understand that. What Paul is saying is leave all revenge, like leave all revenge to God. There's a couple of reasons that we do that. One, revenge is a worthless emotion. No matter how much revenge you get, it's never enough, right? Revenge always leads you wanting more. You know, the other thing that's so damaging about revenge, it forces you to look backwards instead of forward. They're controlling you. You can't move on with your life. Because you know what you're consumed? You know what you're defeated by? How am I going to get even? If I see them again, this is what I'm going to tell them. If they ask me for help again, this is what I'm going to do. If they get in a tough spot, this is how I'm going to ha- Someone talks to me about them, this is what I'm going to say. And you know what happens? See, this is why it's destroying, because revenge forces you to look in the past and not the future. In other words, you become absorbed by evil. I don't know how many times as a pastor I've had to just, like, give this spill or say these words. I know Mr. X hurt you. Or Mrs. X hurts you. And now you're like bitter. But don't you see because you're bitter, they're controlling you? They've won. And because of your vengeance and because you're trying to score the points and get back at them, don't you understand they're controlling your behavior? That's not who you are. And the only way you can move on is this issue of forgiveness. And, and that's why he says, that's why he says the other thing is, you've got to leave room for God's wrath. In other words, to do this, it's like, it's, it's the hard work of forgiveness. I mean, in other words, either you can make them pay, or you can leave the whole thing up to God and say, God, you, you know better than I what this person deserves. You know better than I than, than, than how I can handle this. And as a result of this, I'm, I'm just going to forgive them. Because see, if we're not careful, we'll make them pay, right? A person can make them pay by bringing up the offense over and over and over and over. Just reminding them of how they hurt you, how they betrayed you, what they did to you. Forgiveness says, I won't do that. A person can make them pay by bringing the matter up to everybody that they come in contact with, everybody that knows them. So people will think less of them. You know what? Forgiveness says I'm not going to do that. You can make them pay by bringing the matter up to yourself over and over and over. 
Some people tell you, well, time heals all wounds. I don't think it does in situations like this. Fact is, you know what time does? When there's unforgiveness, when there's revenge, when there's bitterness, it makes them less than human in your eyes. It concretes in your mind why you're so right. And you, you would never do anything with, like they would do. You would never behave like that. And Jesus is the one that says, you, you, you and I need to learn to forgive even when we don't feel like forgiving. We need to learn to grant forgiveness. Back to that whole heap burning coals on them. The phrase was, for by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. And a lot of times, some people will think when they, when they look at that verse, well, that means if I'm nice to them, it will like cause them excruciating pain or, or burn them or whatever. And that's not even what it's talking about. In the context and in in the context and in their day, they didn't, have a, they didn't have devices that we had, and they didn't have stoves like we had. And so they would keep burning coals in a, in a pot so that they could reignite a fire for the evening meal or whatever. And if their, if their fire, if their coals ever went out, then it was common for a neighbor to take their clay pot, and they would walk over to the next-door neighbor and say, Hey, do you have some burning coals? I, we, we can't eat unless we have a fire. And then the neighbor would give them burning coals. The way they would carry it back to their house was on their head. On their head. This is picture. Even that person that hurts you. They're thirsty, give them something to drink. They're hungry, give them something to eat. If they need burning coals, be willing to give them that. And you either overcome evil with good, I'm telling you. Evil will overcome you. And the only way that we defeat it is this issue of forgiveness. That's why Paul said, verse 21, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. That's how you show love for yourself so that you can move on and for them. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?